Cybersecurity Predictions for 2024 Part 2. It's December 19th, 2023. I'm your host, Scott Slay, and you're listening to Sky High Security Cloudcast. Security is a data protection problem, and it's difficult to protect data that's everywhere. Throughout the fabric of devices, the web, cloud applications, infrastructure, and among users. This creates security gaps. That's why we are here. Learn what it takes to defend your data. Welcome to Cloudcast. This is part two of my discussion on 2024 cybersecurity predictions and trends with my guest Rodman Ramazanian, Global Cloud Threat Lead for Sky High Security. In case you missed the first part of the discussion, you can find it on your favorite podcast platform or by going to skyhighsecurity.com slash cloudcast. It seems uh, that we're hearing a lot in the news about shortages of incoming cybersecurity professionals. And I'm wondering how are businesses going to handle a shortage, uh, an increasing shortage of professionals with advanced skills in 2024 and beyond? So it is a good point. I mean, I think collectively as an industry, we've always uh, had a, a skills shortage or a resource shortage uh, challenge. And look, fundamentally, I think most organizations would agree that we are always trying to do more with less. We're always trying to derive the maximum return on investment um, from any given resource at our disposal. And I think, you know, your point earlier about AI and machine learning, you know, continuing this explosion of AI powered services and capabilities, I mean, I would personally anticipate that cloud security will see more of a reliance on AI, machine learning to empower automated detections, responses, help with remediation actions. Um, you know, if we think about the fact that even, um, I guess, how, how much more AI is being uh, embedded into our, our services, our, our day-to-day lives, I mean, it really, I guess, can help for the better. I mean, especially in organizations where um, they don't have so many, I guess, resources at their, at their disposal. I mean, I think everyone's in the same boat where, you know, we're trying to harness AI for the good and somehow, you know, it, ha- as best as possible, realize how it can be a game changer. Um, you know, in the past, they've helped improve the accuracy of detections, identify anomalous activities that humans may have missed. They can build really powerful correlations and insights. They can guide junior analysts. They can find the needle in a haystack faster than humans may be able to. And I think where AI is being applied effectively is helping organizations who, to your point, don't have the luxuries of enormous security budgets or dozens of seasoned security experts or dedicated SOC teams or incident responders. Um, and, And even at a slightly more macro level, if the use of AI can help organizations shift and reorganize their resources to do what's best for them, some are turning to using AI chatbots to help greet customers on their websites, provide information, follow up with leads and queries, and that might help them free up resources for perhaps security tasks or free up some budget to help with other functions that can help them focus more on protecting themselves. So I think, to your point, I think on the notion of security 
resourcing challenges and skill shortages. I think AI being introduced could be used uh, to, to help with those kind of constraints. And where do you see this AI evolving? Where, where in five years, you know, because I mean, two years ago, AI was not really on anybody's radar. Now it's everybody's. I mean, even my my parents, you know, know what AI is. You know, it's nothing that you have to explain to the average person that has just the slightest bit of internet access. They've heard of it. So considering how far it's come in just the past couple of years, where do you see it in the next couple of years, the next five, 10 years? I think, again, coming back to that, that notion of um, evolution, things evolving. I mean, we've seen how fast the cloud world has expanded. You know, we went from, you know, Office 365 and accessing our emails and word processing documents in the cloud. That was a huge, huge evolution in the way we all work and uh, communicate and stuff. And I think the pace that we've seen AI sort of rise up and become a part of our daily lives, whether that's personal or professional lives. I mean, ChatGPT, I would say, is almost, if not maybe a little bit over, only 12 months old. Um, and you think about how much it's taken over conversations at, at a business level. Everyone's talking about AI and what it means for them and whether or not they want to allow ChatGPT to be used in the workplace. So I think, you know, if, if this is how far we've come in 12 months, you think about how that may look, and to your point, in five years' time, what other sort of risks perhaps to do with AI or um, how it's being applied? I mean, I, I would personally, if I had to predict, you know, what would be coming ahead, I mean, I think AI is really going to play a big, big part in how we decide what services we use and how we can stop certain threats or how we can, you know, collaborate more securely without, you know, opening the floodgates. Because, I mean, the challenges we face are always really to do with, who do we trust? What access should we allow them to our sensitive data? And just like everything that we've faced in the past, you know, again, I use the Office 365 example. It was all around, well, do we really trust or do we feel confident having all our data and our documents and our spreadsheets and emails up in the cloud? Like we feared it. I mean, and humans, we do typically tend to fear change. But that, and that was a monumental shift in how we all work with you know a lot of those services that for example office 365 offers and so i think ai is going to keep on challenging the way we think the way we approach security the way we uh, collaborate and yeah i i think personally i mean how far we've come in the past 12 months if we look at what could be ahead in the next five years i think there's going to be big big changes ahead are there any industry sectors or verticals that are going to face unique challenges to secure their data the reality is industry verticals that are highly regulated are always going to be um, ones that have to, I guess, keep on optimizing and fine-tuning more so um, considering risks that AI might bring. Um, I think most people would typically think that we're just talking about big banks here. You know, obviously banking and financial services sector will continue to be in the scope of attackers as a high priority. And that's purely you know, due to the sheer wealth of sensitive data that's held and transacted, um, things like financial records, personally identifiable information, 
even just the potential to facilitate things like theft of money and laundering. Um, and again, like we're not just talking about the big banks here. I would broaden it to even the financial arms of huge organizations that handle enormous amounts of financial data. Um, the best and most recent example I could give was the one I mentioned earlier with the MGM casino attacks. So, you know, they're, of course, in the gambling and gaming industry, but when you talk about the incredible amounts of financial traffic and funds that they deal with, it's in the tens of millions of dollars. So think about the opportunities that attackers see when that's what's up for grabs. And I think, um, you know, healthcare will also continue to be targeted heavily. Um, you think about the interconnected nature of health devices and databases using things like shared platforms and cloud services to communicate all this health data between practitioners and providers. And, like you know, frankly, they need to be. And that's what allows us to walk into a different doctor's practice or a hospital these days if we need to, and they'll have all our medical history available. Um, but you've also got to remember that hospitals and medical facilities don't always have, back to your point, they don't have enough skilled resources for dedicated security experts and teams, and it makes it so much harder to govern and protect all these unique scenarios and challenges that only they would be faced with, and we're talking literally life-threatening environments. So particularly when ransomware threats could be the difference between life or death, you know, these are industry sectors that are keep on, you know, they're going to keep on finding themselves in the scope of attackers. And it seems like a lot of the threat actors now have, you know, speaking of evolution, that's kind of a, a go back this entire uh, podcast. But I'm I'm seeing, and I'm sure you are as well, that a lot of threat actors are not necessarily uh, going after financial gain or just PII. They're actually, their main concern is putting, uh, causing disorder and disinformation to the public, can we expect increasing attacks uh, on entities that haven't necessarily been traditional targets before? I think we can. Yeah, I think it's it's disturbing to accept and acknowledge nowadays. I mean, we have to, but but the reality is that nation state cyber attacks and, to your point, disinformation campaigns are expected in this day and age, and it's for a variety of reasons. You know, geopolitical factors all around the globe and the acknowledgement of, of, of how, I guess, social media and all of these services that are cloud-based and so accessible and just freely available to the masses. And, you know, they're just so, uh, I guess, powerful for manipulation of the, of the conversation. Um, the, the challenge is, as we said, these threats keep on evolving, you know. Like, I think we're not really going to be able to eliminate or mitigate these risks with a, with a big bang approach. I mean, to my point earlier, it's, it's not a destination. I don't think we can get to a point where we can say, right, we can pat ourselves on the back and I think we've completely wiped out that risk. I think... We've won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're done. I don't think, yeah. think it's going to get to that point. I think the same way that we all evolve and you know shift and move with the times and embrace new exciting services that are innovative and help our day-to-day lives or help us work better... I think they provide more opportunity for manipulation, disinformation, changing the narrative, you know, helping whoever's, I guess, wanting to achieve 
uh, a certain goal to, to help their, their agendas. Speaking of nation-state disinformation campaigns, 2024 is an election year in the United States. What level of nation-state cybersecurity attacks and disinformation campaigns can we expect in comparison to previous election cycles? And did we even learn, either from the United States, Australia, anywhere, did we learn anything from past experiences? I think, I mean, we've become, if nothing else, a lot more aware. We've, we've, you know, I think collectively we're getting smarter about it because of the awareness in this domain nowadays. And again, the acknowledgement that I mentioned earlier that these are legitimate risks. Um, you know, we saw with previous elections, to your point, um, in, in not, not just in the U.S., of course, but elsewhere in the world. I mean, in Australia, we've had them. We've had, you know, uh, all sorts of sort of social media manipulation and, and uh, disinformation campaigns. And again, changing the conversation and the narrative to suit a particular political agenda. So I think to your question, we are getting smarter and better about it. Uh, we have learnt some lessons, but others, are, are, you know, they're going to keep on being a challenge. I think, again, you, you look at social media platforms, you look at how widely they're used by almost everyone in, you know, in sort of cultures and societies all around the world. And you think about how easy it is to manipulate or to um, spread any sort of information or data that may um, be, I guess, understood or, or digested in a certain context. Uh, I think the reality is that some of these threats are, aren't going to go away anytime soon. I think um, how freely accessible are so many services, and we're not just talking about social media here either, right? We're talking about online services, you know, um, we're talking about data that's being made available through mobile applications or, um, you know, the way we receive emails from, you know, it could be just spam or things like that. I think our reliance on data and how versatile, I guess, you know, we need to be to, to do what we do, to, to live our lives, to work in certain environments, we're always interfacing with data that is open to manipulation. Um, so I think, yeah, to your question, we have gotten smarter. I think we have become a lot more aware, but I, I, I wouldn't say that we can definitively say we've written that off and that we are, you know, uh, never going to have to worry about it again. Rodman, looking ahead, what do you predict in 2024 will be the most pressing data security concerns and trends uh, that maybe we can look forward to or maybe that we've uh, initially saw in 2023? I think in simple terms, I think organizations knowing their stuff, and, you know, under, and I say that very, you know, of course, generically, but I mean, understanding what data and what services they're putting to the cloud they're putting you know out through the web. They're they're sharing broadly because that'll dictate what needs the most protection and how they're going to have to go about protecting it. Um, I think with so many, uh, I wouldn't say distractors, but so many things going around that may um, you know shift priorities or 
um, may influence investments in security or how strategies are being formulated. I think the reality is much the same in 2023 when it was all about, um, I guess, shifting and moving and and becoming um, a lot more modern with how we all communicate and how we embrace the cloud securely and things like that. And of course, we've had our fair share of buzzwords. I mean, zero trust and AI have been just two of many. But I think moving into the the, the new year, I, I think the pace at which things are growing, um, the you know the speed at which we mentioned AI, how fast that's become sort of a household name now, um, and and now it's you know coming into corporate environments, whether or not it's sanctioned or you know, approved across the board, it, it really is a shadow IT challenge. You know, we've got, you know, many workplaces, the big names of the world, like tech companies saying we outright block it. And, but, you know, some saying, okay, well, I'm going to go look for alternatives. And, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of them out there. So I think rather than sort of sticking your head in the sand and hoping these things will go away or instead taking, taking the whack-a-mole approach and trying to put out fires wherever they are, Again, whether that is AI or a new cloud service that you know, the organization might not be too fond of, I think we need to accept and acknowledge that the, the, the sort of world that we all live in now with how freely accessible services and data has, has become, we, we need to, I guess, reshift our approach to security. And, and that means things like zero trust. Like the reality is we can't, assume that we we trust somebody because they've come in through a certain uh, access vector or that they tell us, hey, I've got a a corporate certificate and this is my username and password and sure, I'll jump through one hoop for a multi-factor authentication push. You're going to have to trust me now. I think the way we challenge the status quo about how maybe traditionally we would trust somebody or something or an application or a device I think we're going to keep on uh, having to think on our toes because really nowadays in the absence of having a a device or a laptop or a computer that's chained to your desk and we all go into our physical offices and that's the only way we can interface with data, if you think about it, nowadays data is sometimes the only common denominator that organizations can control. People are accessing from locations they may have never seen before. It might be just a coffee shop that they've never seen somebody access from. It could be using a device that isn't corporately issued. It could be on a service that they've never corporately approved. But the one thing that they may have that's of, I guess, concern to them is, hang on, you're, you're accessing our data. So I think moving forward, to, to back to your question, organizations who are re-shifting their priorities and saying, well, you know what, the one thing that's arguably the most important to us is our data. And it's the one thing that we can control in a world full of variables that, you know, from based on everything we spoke about today. So I think focusing on data protection will go a much longer way than focusing on a particular threat vector or, you know, a form of access. Um, that's probably my, the, the best advice I could offer. Well, joining me today was Rodman Ramazanian, Global Cloud Threat Lead for Sky High Security. Rodman, I greatly appreciate your time, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. 
Thanks for joining the podcast. If anybody wants to find you online, where can they find you? So I am uh, available on LinkedIn and, well, I was about to say Twitter, but now X. Um, so LinkedIn, obviously, um, if folks would like to find me, of course, they've got my, my full name there. They can, they can look me up. And on X, uh, my handle is rod underscore sec. Um, and so, of course, you'll probably find me sharing quite a lot of um, sky-high collateral, but a lot of that stuff is um, just thought pieces and perspectives that I share as blog posts or, or write-ups or maybe a, a podcast like this one or, you know, uh, perhaps some, some public perspectives I've shared. So uh, I always love um, sort of hearing from the community as well. I mean, I always encourage people reaching out if they have some thoughts or feedback or perspectives they want to sort of share or have a conversation about. So yeah, please. I mean, if, um, if, if listeners want to uh, reach out and just continue the conversation, I'm, I'm always inviting of that. And you can also find uh, several of Rodman's blog posts and Intelligence Digest on skyhighsecurity.com. Um, we'll also have these links to all your socials in the show notes. And Rodman, thanks again. I greatly appreciate it. I know it's early for you right now, so uh, I'm glad I could be the reason you wake up and get all cheerful for the rest of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me, Scott. Absolutely. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and will subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. For more information about the podcast or Sky High Security's cloud security solutions, please visit skyhighsecurity.com.